today is Mother's Day, and I have a confession to make. I, I get angry and impatient with my kids quite often. <laughs> I, I am not a screamer. I, um, I don't, I don't um, throw things or uh, hit things per se, but I struggle with that tone of voice uh, that in a <laughs> very short amount of time can communicate to my kids like, I am busy, you are bothering me, my things are much more important than your things, would you just leave me alone? <laughs> um, I know many of you can relate, but not all moms are like this. I know a lot of moms who are you know, really patient and really kind uh, most of the time, and I admire them. I do not like them, but I... <laughs> I admire them. <laughs> that is not me. Sometimes I will give a message, you know, on Sunday morning, and then on Monday morning, um, you know, something just happens and it all breaks down. And I think, thank goodness this moment is not on live stream. <laughs> so uh, this is just, you know, wow, can have these big, right, changes. Um, you remember that book, Jekyll and Hyde? I mean, from forever ago? It's kind of dark. Uh, but <laughs> there's a quote at the beginning of it that says this. I, I stood already committed to the profound duplicity of life, that humankind is not truly one but two, and that these polar twins should be continuously struggling. One of these polar twins, who's Mr. Hyde character, bore the stamp of the lower elements of my soul. I find this is just part of the experience of being human. You know, this, um, this duplicity of sorts that happens in us all, these times where the lower elements of our souls come out and you know being a mom brings that to light for me for some of you maybe it's parenting but maybe it's something else maybe it's some other struggle in your life that brings this to the forefront maybe you're having a perfectly calm and peaceful morning drinking your coffee and then you get in the car and road rage or maybe you have a job and you generally like what you do until your boss walks in the room. And when the micromanaging begins, it's like your worst self comes out. Or maybe it's like, if my roommate would just clean up their stuff. Or maybe it's your kids. Or, or maybe it's like an unwanted illness. Like life was going perfectly well and now doctors all the time. And this other side of you is emerging. Maybe it's some difficult relationship somewhere where you just, you just feel hurt and betrayed and kind of the worst parts of you come out. There are these moments in life where we witness something, you know, coming out of ourselves. And we think, whew, I thought I was better than this. Or maybe you think, like, I thought I would have shed this part of me by this age. I thought I'd be over this by now. Yikes, like that was definitely not my best self. 
Now, lest you think that that struggle is unique to you or me or us in this room or us in this period of time, the ancient wisdom of the scriptures begs to differ. The Apostle Paul one time said it so plainly when he said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. He's saying, like, I agree I need some, like, parameters, some boundaries with the law. I agree the law is good. As it is, it's, it's no longer myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. At the heart of this ancient wisdom is this idea that when I do what I do not want to do, there is this invitation to let God do what only God can do. When you do what you do not want to do, it's an invitation to let God do what only God can do. I mean, when I read this passage, it just it hits me as plain and simple truth. Like, it's the nail on the head. Like, there's this regular struggle inside of me where... You know, we're having a lovely morning as a family. We're waking up. We're sitting at our little breakfast nook table. We're, we're saying a morning prayer together. We're having breakfast. The kids are practicing piano. Then all of a sudden, you know, they, they just they won't put on their shoes and their coats. And now we're rushed. And all of a sudden, I'm like, who did I become, right? Like it just unravels and stuff starts coming out of my mouth. Like how many times do I have to tell you things you thought you would never say? It's like Jekyll and Hyde, right? In, the, in that book, Hyde is the evil character, Jekyll is the good character. But here's the thing, as followers of God, in the way of Jesus, we know only Christ is good. That if there is any good in me, it is the fruit of God's spirit. When we find we do what we do not want to do, we usually do one of two things. We, we, we either blame or we shame. When we experience road rage or impatience with our kids or when we find ourselves being mean-spirited, unforgiving, it's easy to, first of all, blame the other person, isn't it? To think, like, the other person is doing this to me. I wouldn't be this way if my partner would just get, on, get home on time. I wouldn't be this way if they would just put their dishes in the dishwasher. I wouldn't be this way if you wouldn't keep micromanaging me. It's easy for us to blame. Blame. When we do what we do not want to do, it's easy to place the blame, you know, to, to basically think this is somebody else's fault. But the truth is these moments where I do what I do not want to do, you know, they're, they're actually like a mirror being held up 
all the parts and pieces of me. To remind me that, you know, this Hyde character, <laughs> if you want to call it that, has been here all along. It is not really the other person's fault because when my heart is in step with God's spirit, no external circumstance can change that. No other person can change. I mean, in the same way, like the flip side, when my heart, when my life is not in step or out of step with God's spirit, the values of God's kingdom, no other person can solve that for me. No other external circumstance can fix that for me. Nothing else can make that right for me. My reactions to circumstances really aren't the other person's fault. When I do what I do not want to do, I'm invited to let God do what only God can do, which is change me, transform me, heal me, save me, move me to a place of interior freedom where no matter what circumstance I'm in, no matter what person I'm with, no matter what possessions I have or do not have, I am free. I am free to be fully me as God made me to be. Only God can do that. I usually, though, when I do what I do not want to do, I usually, you know, blame or I shame. Let's talk about shame for a minute. Like one of my mentors, Chuck DeGroat, tells this story about one time he is teaching at a retreat. He's an author. He's a teacher. He's a retreat leader. He's teaching at this retreat center. He has this major wave of shame come over him after one of the sessions. And this is how Chuck uh, describes that moment. He says this, I had just finished my talk at a retreat. And as I ended, a wave of shame seemed to, I love how he says this, can you relate? A wave of shame seemed to reach from my gut up through my chest and into my face, pulling my eyes down and away from anybody else's gaze. He said, I made a beeline for the exit, avoiding eye contact. I thought it best for my activated nervous system to go take a walk. And as I walked, the voices emerged. Who do you think you are? They're all laughing at you. I had a sense that most, if not all, had returned to the rooms at the retreat center, were packing their bags, disappointed that their time had been wasted. I returned and began to journal, he says. And as I often do, I was identifying parts of me that were in conflict. An inner bully chastising me, a little boy who'd shrunk himself into a ball, but who couldn't quite disappear like he wanted to. A numbing part of me that wanted to just pour some gin and veg out on Netflix. A fawning part of me that wanted to just ignore the shame and start making small talk with the retreat participants 
and pull for a kind word from them. Chuck goes on to say we live between these two dances in life. It's the dance of intimacy and the dance of hiddenness. And when we're in the dance of intimacy, we know we are fully known, fully loved, no fear of rejection. And even if we flop, and even if we fail, it's okay because we know we're loved. We're in the dance of intimacy. But when we're in the dance of hiddenness, we want to hide. We want to disappear. We don't want to be seen. We want to shrink. We want to become small. When I'm in the dance of hiddenness, even the sound of God walking in the cool of the garden makes me want to hide. It doesn't feel safe. Nothing feels safe when I'm in the dance of hiddenness. Because when I'm in the dance of hiddenness, I feel like there's nobody to take care of. I got to take care of myself. And when we do what we do not want to do, and we experience blame or shame, when we experience shame, you know, that desire to hide, God is inviting us into this dance of intimacy where we can step out of hiddenness and into the light of God's loving presence, the light of God's goodness and love. And this is one of the great benefits of regular worship. Because what is worship? It's taking our eyes off of all that is wrong with this world and placing our eyes upon all that is right with God and God's kingdom. What is worship? It's coming into this story that is bigger than you. It's getting caught up in the love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. It's getting caught up in the healing of God. It's getting caught up in the goodness of God. That's the invitation. Of course, we've developed, most of us, all sorts of sophisticated defenses to wall off our shame. And rather than stepping into the light of God's presence and love, we try to handle, you know, usually feelings of shame on our own. Like Chuck DeGroat said, you know, we, we try to fight them off or we try to flee from them, just get away from them. Sometimes we freeze in the face of them. Sometimes we, we fawn to fit in, to somehow cover our nakedness with fig leaves of our own making. That's what we're doing. But in our shame and in our pain, Almighty God invites us to face and embrace, bear witness, and experience God's kind gaze upon us no matter what we face amidst it all. Because when we do what we do not want to do, we're invited to then let God do what only God can do. So may you dare to lift your eyes, to receive, lift your head to receive the gaze of the one who makes his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you.
Let's pray together as we pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this eternal dance that you invite us into. That you are always wooing and drawing us into deeper communion with you. May we dare, may we dare to lift our heads to receive the gaze of your love, your healing, good love for your children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.